This is the Fearless Presentations Podcast, the fastest, easiest way to reduce public speaking fear. Want to absolutely eliminate public speaking fear? This podcast is the answer. Here's the guy who literally wrote the book on Fearless Presentations, Doug Stannard. Welcome back, everybody, to the Fearless Presentations podcast. This is Doug Standard, CEO of Fearless Presentations and the founder of FearlessPresentations.com. And in fact, this podcast is brought to you by FearlessPresentations.com. Hey, real quick, if you if you really like the podcast, if you're enjoying the the content, make sure and leave us a, a review on uh, on iTunes. Uh, you can do that what, just by going to to uh, your podcast app on your on your uh, smartphone, and just you can do a search for Fearless Presentations. It should pop up, but that helps us out a lot. In addition to that, um, we also have on FearlessPresentations.com we have all of our podcast notes. So if you ever miss something, if we say something really quickly and you want to go back and research that, uh, there'll be information about those things in the podcast notes. There's also free articles and videos and tips and things like that all over Fearless Presentations. Presentations.com, plus information about our two-day public speaking classes that we do all over the United States, Canada, Europe. So, so if you're if you're really interested in improving your your presentation skills, make sure and visit FearlessPresentations.com. So, Doug, what's today's hot topic? Today's hot topic is about how to assess your real strengths and weaknesses as a speaker and really as a business person. Um, it, uh, to give you kind of some background about what I'm going to talk about, I, I'll kind of give you a, a quick little story about how this really came to be a part of our two-day Fearless Presentations class back in. I would say it was around 2003, 2004. So I'd already, I had already taught dozens and dozens and dozens of public speaking classes over the uh, over the the first couple of years of of the the 2000s, and I had actually started teaching leadership training and public speaking classes all the way back to like 1995, 96. So I've been doing this for for a while at that point. And I had a couple of folks that that came through my my uh, public speaking class, and they were both from the FBI in Houston, and. At the end of the class, you know, just like happened a lot of times, you know, folks, were, I was kind of lined up at the door as folks were leaving and shaking their hands and people were telling me, oh my God, life changed experience. We love the class. It was so awesome. And when I turned back and looked, though, the two FBI folks were, were still kind of seated in the in their chairs. And and I went back to them and I said, hey, just, uh, are you guys, is there something else I can do for you? Did you need anything else? Um, and the, the, uh, one of the guy, the guy that, uh, was, was there kind of looked at me and he said, he said, I, I have to let you know, I love the class. It was fantastic. I know I've grown as a speaker and I know I've gotten better as a result of going through the class. He said that one of the things I noticed though was that every time I finished a speech, you kind of told me what I did well. You told me what I did right. You never really told me what I was doing wrong so that I could make a correction. And for those of you who, who have listened to a few of the, um, the, the previous podcasts or been through one of my classes, I, I use a, a persuasive technique that we call the incident action benefit formula. I basically told him a story and, and used that as a way to kind of persuade him. And I told him a story about when I was in college. When I was in college, I took a business communications class and, and uh, the, the person who was teaching the class was a graduate student and, and she used the technique that we in the public speaking uh, industry kind of called the Oreo technique. That's where you you give somebody a cookie, like a, a compliment, and then you tell them what you need them to to um, 
to improve on and then you give them another compliment. And a lot of times people don't really remember the compliments on either side of the corrective comment. They remember the corrective comment though. So those, that technique doesn't really, really work. And that's what she did to me. And, and basically on the first presentation that I gave in college, I got a 94 on it. And the second presentation, which was a third of my, of, of my grade, I got an 84 on it. And in the third presentation, I got a 74. So basically, her coaching technique was actually causing me to go backwards. I was actually doing worse. And the reason why is because I, the, the thing that she kind of mentioned to me that I needed to improve on was um, she said that the first time that I gave a presentation, I said, um, seven times. And I kept sticking my hands in my pockets. So I didn't really look comfortable. Well, the second time I gave my presentation, I was focused less on the content and how to deliver it. And I was focusing more on the ohms. And I was focusing more on not sticking my hands in my pockets and stuff like that, right? So, so basically, as a result, my I was I was distracted from the thing that made me successful the first time, and I got worse. And so, basically, by the time I finished the class, I'm like, good God! Every time I finish, every time I do a new presentation, I get worse. And and I had never really had a, a real fear or nervousness in, in public speaking until that class. I got I, after at the end of that class, my anxiety was was much more intense as a result of, of that coaching and that training. And that happens to a lot of folks. A lot of folks will go through public speaking coaching, public speaking training. They will, they will get tips from, from well-meaning coworkers or even spouses or, or bosses, that kind of thing, and actually end up more nervous. One of the techniques that we figured out over the years in, in doing public speaking training is that if you focus on people who are doing well, the stuff that they're doing not so well tends to kind of go away. Focus on the strengths instead of the, the weaknesses and you tend to get better results. Anyway, so I went through all that with this guy from the FBI and, and he was like, yeah, I understand that. I understand the theory behind that. But he said, that's not the way I learn. I learn you know, by, by people telling me what I'm doing wrong so I can correct that. I don't want to make the same mistakes over and over again. So if I know I've made a mistake, I can make corrective action. And, and, uh, and basically he was a kind of a hard charger type A type personality, what we're, the, the type of personality that we call the driver type person, which is kind of the way I am as well. And so you know, we kind of butted heads for a little bit. And finally I said, okay, fine, fine. You want me to tell you what you're doing wrong? And I went, bam, bam, bam. And, and I told him about three or four things that, that, that he needed to make corrective action on, you know, and, and felt real smug and felt real real good about myself and, and kind of said, is that what you needed to know? And he said, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that's exactly what I needed to know. And, and basically he kind of, he, he, yeah, I gave him what he wanted, but when he walked out, I could tell that our relationship had changed dramatically in that last two minutes or so of the, of the class. Well, I was actually training a, a, an instructor at the time, and he was what we call more of an amiable type person, real, a real people person type person. And, um, and at, at, when these two folks kind of left, he kind of looked at me and said, man, so uh, probably could have handled that a little better, right? And I was like, yeah. So basically, he and I sat down, and we started talking about the things that we do in the, the two-day fearless presentations class. And, and we, we, we said, okay, this is going to keep coming up. There are going to be folks that really are, they, they, they think they need corrective action in order to improve. And so we have to be able to kind of kind of uh, deal with that a little better than what I've done in the past. And so he, he kind of looked at me. This guy's name was Martin. And uh, Martin kind of looked at me and he said, hey, Doug, what about that stuff that you're teaching me as an instructor, you know, that personality temperament stuff? Because that, it seems to me if we, it works well for us as instructors, why don't we just teach that to the people in the class? And it was a, it was a brainstorm idea that that really kind of changed the way that we teach public speaking classes. And what I'm going to do in, on this on this uh, podcast is kind of show you 
how to to identify a person's real strengths and weaknesses, not only of yourself, but but whoever it is that you're communicating with, and kind of show how a lot of stuff that we've kind of taught on the podcast can be very helpful in helping you communicate with those people more effectively. Now, if you're listening to this on your MP3 player or on your on your iPhone or something like that, we actually have a video version of this on the uh, on the podcast notes. So if you go to fearlesspresentations.com/podcast, you can actually find the video version because there's going to be a graphic that I'm going to describe to you and it, but if you kind of see the graphic in person and it, visually it, it, it makes it a little bit easier to kind of understand so um, the, the, let me kind of it, it, now basically the the um, the content that we're going to talk about here is stuff that's been around for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years and in fact personality temperament theory actually was created by Hippocrates. <laughs> so it, I think it was like 300 BC, so about 2300 years ago was when Hippocrates came up with it, with this theory. And uh, the real truth about personality temperament stuff, you know, things like, uh, you know, now the, the real popular ones still today are like the disc profile on Myers-Briggs. and But there's hundreds and hundreds of different companies that do personality temperament training. The, the thing that most of these companies are going to have in common, though, is that their their real revenue stream for these things are going to be the the assessments the the tests that you have to take in order to figure out what each person is and I, I kind of came about this information a different way I I started reading when I when I first started doing training you know I wanted to kind of keep up with or or you know discover things that would be helpful in 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 my training programs and stuff like that and so I started reading books about all kinds of different topics including personality temperaments and the first one that I read was a book called Personality Plus by Florence Latara who which a phenomenal book by the way and then later I read Spirit Centered Temperament uh, by uh, Tim LaHaye uh, and a couple of others along the way but those are the first co couple of books that I read about personality temperaments and so the thing about those two books is that they explain the personality temperaments as though you basically going back to the way that Hippocrates kind of came up with with the the concept without having a test. You know, there's no so it wasn't until I actually got into the business world more and started working for big uh, corporations and stuff like that that I started realizing that there's actually assessment tests like the Myers Briggs and the the the, um, the neat thing about kind of coming about personality temperament theory the way that I did through the through the original concepts or the, the original sources is that um, I, I kind of realized that if you if you have to rely on a test to kind of tell you what your real strengths and weaknesses are or what the real strengths and weaknesses of each person that you deal with are then it's going to be very impractical so it, it becomes a lot tougher so I went so basically what I did in when I started training my instructors in fearless presentations and what I started doing in the the two-day fearless presentations classes show a much more simplistic way to kind of determine a person's personality temperament it, because if you can determine what a person's core personality temperament is it makes it a whole lot easier to coach them and also realize what their strengths and weaknesses are so so I, I'm going to share with you kind of what we've kind of come up with that that really helps so basically there are four major kind of personality temperaments and the four personality temperaments are, are basically the way that we see the world so the best way to kind of explain this is that every single individual is an is an individual of his or, his or her own basically we all have our own strengths and weaknesses however there are kind of categories of people the way that that people kind of see the world that um, that if you kind of group them together it makes it a little bit easier to communicate with folks like for instance there are some folks that really 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 like details there are some people that really really like 
big picture kind of overview. And if you happen to be one of these detail-oriented kind of people and you're communicating with the overview type person, you're going to bore the heck out of them if, you, if you're only using your natural strength, right? And so that's, that's why this, this type of study is really, really important. So if you're actually watching this on, on the video, um, you're going to see a chart that's that's in front of you that has basically four extremes. There's, there's basically a, it looks like a, a cross or an X, and on one on the uh, there's a vertical line and a horizontal line. On the horizontal line, there are two extremes. One is on the far left hand side is what we call the indirect type person, and on the far right hand side is what we call the direct person. So indirect people tend to be a little bit more cautious. They tend to be a little bit more collective. They tend to be a, a little bit more, um, I don't want to say slow to make a decision, but a little bit more cautious when they make a decision. They, they would rather make the decision correctly the first time versus having to go back and redo something. Whereas the people who are on the direct side tend to be a little bit more spontaneous. They, they would much rather take action now, knowing that there's a potential to make a mistake, but they don't want to miss out on an opportunity. So they're, they're, they're much quicker to kind of take action. So, if you, so basically what we always ask people to do on, uh, when they're taking a, a, a class with us is on this on this line, on this horizontal line, put a dot somewhere on that line where you think you are. Are you more on the indirect side or are you more on the direct side? Now it doesn't really matter where you place your dot as far as you know how far over to the left you are or how far over to the right you are. That's not going to really matter as much right now. It's basically just are you which one of those extremes are you? You can't be both. You can't be both indirect and direct. You know, are you more of a cautious kind of person that likes to do things right the first time, or are you more of a spontaneous person? Let's let's not miss out on an opportunity. Um, on the vertical line, there's another two extremes. On the on the lower side of the vertical line is what we call the logical type person, and on the upper side is what we call a people person. So, and it's basically, it's kind of how do you make decisions? Do you make decisions based on the logic, the data, the 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 structure of something, or are you more likely to make decisions based on people-oriented type things? So, like for instance, are you more likely to kind of identify, you know, how is this going to, this decision, how is it going to go over with, with the crowd? How is it going to go over with the people? Um, you might be the kind of person that, uh, that likes to get other people's opinions before you make a decision, that kind of thing. Then if that's the case, you're probably more of a people person. If you're more of a person that likes more of the logical, the numbers, I like to look at the data and make my decision based on the data. You're probably more of a logical kind of person. Now, um, so basically what we ask people to do in the class is we ask people to put a dot on that line as well. So like for instance, me personally, I'm more of a logical kind of person than a direct kind of person. So uh, I would put my two dots, you know, somewhere on the, on the lower side of the vertical line and on the, the right hand side of the, of the horizontal line. And when I have those two dots, you can just kind of draw a line between those two dots and determine which one of these quadrants that you're in. So are you more of a people indirect kind of person, which is the far, uh, the top, um, left-handed side of the of the chart, or you're more of an indirect and logical person, which is the still on the right-hand side, but on the lower on the lower part of the chart, or you're more on the direct and logical kind of person, where you're on now on the right-hand side of the chart, but you're still on the bottom, or are you more of a direct and people kind of person? So you're now you're top right. So basically, those four quadrants kind of determine what your real strengths and weaknesses are as a person. Now. So let me kind of go through the four temperaments. Now these temperaments, we kind of gave these modern day kind of names. The names that psychologists use are the names that you'll see in a lot of these, these old timey kind of personality temperament books or ter personality temperament studies are ones that, names that were, that 
were created for these back, you know, in 400 AD. So they're they're a little bit kind of dated and, and a little bit more challenging to to deal with. So like for instance, you'll hear words like the sanguine or the melancholy. You know, those are words we just don't use today. So what we did was we created words that are a little bit easier to kind of understand in in today's world in order to kind of describe these temperaments. So if you're on the indirect side and you're more of a people person, you're what we call an amiable. Now amiables have a number of different strengths. They're they're real one of their real strengths is their ability to real, to really build trust and rapport with people very quickly. They're also seen by others as being really good listeners. They're friendly. They're diplomatic and and they're somewhat detail oriented, meaning that they they um, they do pay attention to the details, but um, not they're not going to be as detail oriented as one of the other temperaments, but but probably more detail oriented than the other two anyway. They they tend to be though resistant to change. The reason why is because the amiable type person likes to get really good at what they do. So basically, they they will they will pay attention to the details in order to determine what is required of them. You know, this is what I, and when when they determine what is required of them, they're going to do those things to the utmost level. They they like to kind of to play by the rules and do what they're supposed to do. Uh, so when the rules change, when when there's a new technology or something like that, they tend to kind of resist it because it takes away what they were good at. So I was really good at it the old way, and then you changed it, right? So that, so that's one of the, the big kind of challenges that they will have. I think the biggest challenge that the amiable will have, though, is that they tend to be fairly self-conscious. So as, as a result, they will tend to kind of see themselves as not being nearly as successful as what other people kind of see them. Other people will kind of see them and say, oh my God, that person is really good at whatever it is that they do. Whereas they kind of say, well, you know, I'm not that good at it. So they tend to be more self-conscious than than some of the other temperaments. So really good at building trust and rapport. They're, 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 um, they're very good mediators, so they tend to be very diplomatic. So they tend to make... Um, Great leaders, especially in organizations like nonprofits, where they're where they're helping other people. In fact, that's where they feel really successful is when they're when they're helping others. So that's the amiable temperament, which is the top um, the top uh, left hand side of the of the chart. So the the amiable tends to be a people person and more on the indirect side, so a little bit more cautious. So on the on the bottom part of the of the left hand side though, so the, also on the indirect side, but more of a logical kind of person is what we call an analytical. Analyticals are much more detail oriented than even the amiable is, and and almost to a fault. So they they tend to be very thorough and academic and systematic, meaning that they will tend to stay in school for longer periods of time. You know, they'll they'll go for those advanced degrees more often than some of the other temperaments, that kind of thing. But they're, they're very logical in the way that they they deal with things. They they have a they have a, a system that they tend to kind of follow. And they they for for the analytical, the analytical tends to feel really successful when things are in balance when things work when there's when there's um, when there's a structure to something so they love facts and evidence so in fact for the from the analytical's perspective uh, you know one fact is good more facts are better too many is just enough kind of thing right so lots of details lots of facts they want you to prove that what you're saying is true that one of the interesting things about the analytical is that they have a really dry sense of humor though and in fact a lot of the really famous long-term comedians tend to be tend to be more of an analytical people, like, for instance, Jerry Seinfeld, Bob Newhart, those guys have been around forever. They tend to be, um, you know, kind of a, a slower kind of, of, uh, of wit that, that uh, um, 
that is really funny, really, really interesting for the, for the audience that the audience really loves. Um, the biggest challenge that the analytical will have, though, is that they're seen by others as having low energy because they tend to have that, that slower delivery, because they, ha they tend to have that, uh, that thought out and, and, uh, and systematic kind of process for delivering content, especially in, a, in, a, in front of a group. They tend to be seen as others as being kind of mm. monotone or, or boring, that kind of thing. So tend to be kind of low energy. So that's kind of the, the big weakness that they have. So going back to the chart, so, so basically you've got the first two, those are both the indirect signs. So you got the indirect people person, which is the amiable, you got the indirect logical person that is more the, the kind of analytical detail-oriented kind of person. So on the, on the uh, right-hand side of the chart, though, in the, in the, um, in the bottom half, or the, the bottom half of the right-hand side, is what we call the driver. Now, the driver is what a lot of people will describe as kind of the type A personality. The real strengths of the driver is that he or she is typically seen as being kind of assertive um, and candid and decisive. So you think of like Donald Trump, you know, that Donald Trump is, is real famous for being kind of a driver type person, having no filter. You know, he's going to say whatever's on his mind. So, so that, that's one of, the, one of the things that the driver is most known for is being candid. We're going to say whatever's on our mind without, the, without kind of a filter, and it can sometimes get us in trouble. So, but we're seen as being, uh, by others as being very decisive, being goal-oriented. Uh, we love authority and control. And a lot of times folks will see us as being somewhat energetic, um, but I think the big weakness that the driver is going to have is that we're seen by others as being untactful. We tend to be seen by others as being blunt. So we're not necessarily the, the, the people person that, um, that other folks would kind of like us to be. So a lot of times folks will kind of see us, people from the outside, and say, oh, that person's a real natural leader. But you know, that, that we have a, a difficult, more difficult time kind of dealing with, with other people. Um, and, and then the final quadrant is the is what we call the expressive. So also on the direct side, but more um, of a people person. So the real strength of the expressive is that they're very enthusiastic and social and outgoing. So lots of energy, lots of enthusiasm, lots of fun. So um, they, they tend to be seen by others as being very persuasive. Um, a lot of times they, they love to be spontaneous. You know, whatever, whatever's kind of going on right now is the most exciting thing that's, that's kind of happening. And they're very creative as well. The biggest challenge that the expressive will have, though, is that they're kind of easily distracted. The, the details kind of kind of are, are a little bit tougher for them. So, so basically that's the expressive. High energy, enthusiasm, not necessarily as detail-oriented. So... Let's kind of go through these a little bit. So if you're if you're still wa if you're watching on the video, you'll, we'll, we'll kind of go through the chart a little bit and kind of show how this the chart really makes this so understandable, makes it easy for us to kind of identify what the real strengths and weaknesses of people are. So like for instance, if you if you'll notice that the amiable and the driver type temperament are kind of in opposite quadrants. So the amiable is is on the indirect side. The driver is on the direct side. The amiable is on the people person side. The driver is on the logical side. So they tend to be kind of opposite. So whatever the amiable strength is tends to be the weakness of the driver and vice versa. Whatever the driver's strength is tends to be the weakness of the amiable. Same thing with the analytical and the expressive. So like for instance, on the analytical side, the analytical's real strength is details, thoroughness. The expressive temperament, though, their real, real weakness is detailed thoroughness. The, analytic, the, uh, the expressive's real strength is energy and enthusiasm, whereas the analytical is seen by, seen by others as being kind of low energy, less, less enthusiasm. Same thing with the driver and the amiable. Driver, 
um, confident, um, uh, poised in, in front of a group, whereas the amiable tends to be seen as being more self-conscious. The amiable is a real people person, whereas the driver tends to be seen as untactful. So if you understand where you are on the chart and what your real strengths and weaknesses are, it basically helps you kind of communicate with other people better. So like for instance, if I happen to be an analytical person, in order for me to feel like I've communicated very thoroughly or very effectively anyway with, with, my, with my audience, I will feel like I have to give them a ton of data. But really, only about 25% of the population really wants a ton of data, and that's the other analytical. So if I communicate the way that, that is kind of natural to me, I'm going to bore the heck out of about three-quarters of the, of, the, of the audience. There'll be a quarter of them that really love me, or like me at least anyway, and then three-quarters are going to go, oh, my God, that was so boring. It was good content, but, man, that was so boring. Um, the expressives are going to have lots of energy and make it fun and make it entertaining, which is going to make it easier for them to, to create that, that rapport or to, to, um, to get the audience to really like them. But they, at the end of the, the presentation, about three-quarters of the, of the audience are going to go, God, that was really fun, but what was the point of that? You know, why did we kind of go through that? And you know the driver will maybe be able to get that information across in in a in a very vigorous kind of way, but may be off-putting to the to the audience if he or she is doing their natural kind of delivery style. Amiables will make it will, will you know ha may have a, a lot of good things to say, but they may be deliberate in a in a real quiet or or not necessarily a confident way, and so the audience may not believe them as well, even though they're really good at creating that, that trust and rapport. So, so naturally, there is nobody that comes out of the womb a fantastic speaker, a natural speaker. That's why training programs and coaching and podcasts and videos, kind of like what you're doing now, can be very, very helpful in helping us communicate with people more effectively. So if you can kind of identify which one of the quadrants that you're in, what your real strengths and weaknesses are, it will help you better determine what to do to, to get better as a, as a speaker. Now, one of the interesting things that you're going to find is that a lot of the stuff that we've covered on previous podcasts are things that will kind of help you. Like, for instance, we did a whole podcast just on how to design a presentation using just a few bullet points. If you think about it, that helps both the analytical and the expressive because the analytical is likely to want to put 150 gazillion bullet points, whereas the expressive is likely to put very few bullet points and just lots of... Lots of um, I don't want to say it in a negative way, but a lot of times folks will call it fluff. You know, interesting, fun kind of things, but not as much content. So if you if you stick with like a three-point talk or a four-point talk or a five-point talk, kind of like what we've talked about on previous podcasts, then that helps both the analytical be very focused and cover just the content that is most important to the audience right now, and it helps the, the expressive actually get content across in, in an effective way as well. I'll give you a great example of how, um, how some of the stuff that we've kind of covered in earlier podcasts though can be very helpful. Like for instance, one of the things we focused a lot on in previous podcasts is stories and examples, how that's kind of your ace in the hole as a presenter. Because if you think about it, like for instance, the real weakness of the amiable is that he or she is seen by others as being self-conscious. They're going to be more nervous when, when they stand up to speak in front of a group. So one of the things that stories do is they help a person really build that trust and rapport with the audience and also reduce nervousness at the same time. So it helps the amiable basically build on the strengths that he or she has and then also reduce the weaknesses at the same exact time. The analytical, the stories actually help the analytical as well because the analytical likes the data. 
But a lot of times they give so much data that people kind of forget it. But the interesting thing about a story is that you can tell a story to an audience and they'll actually remember a lot of the content, a lot of the numbers, a lot of the statistics that you want them to remember. So if you give it to them in a story format, it helps you strength, strengthen your strengths and, and minimize your weaknesses as well. The drivers, if they tell a story, they're, they're much more likely to build that rapport with the audiences, which is one of the, the real challenges that he or she has. And they're also much more likely to use that persuasive technique, which is, which is uh, key to, to uh, being successful as a driver. And then the, 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 uh, the expressives, when they tell stories, they're able to use a lot of energy and enthusiasm and make the presentation fun and interesting, but also get across content. So a lot of things that you're going to find in the, the podcast that we cover are going to be things that, that will help each one of these temperaments or each one of these individuals maximize their strengths and minimize their weaknesses at the same time. So, so as we kind of go through additional podcasts, as you kind of go through additional training, as you read additional books, as you watch videos or come to a, to our two-day public speaking class, any of those kind of things that you see, kind of I, if you have this in the background of, of your mind kind of going, okay, so how is this thing that I'm covering now, how is it going to help me maximize my strengths and minimize my weaknesses? It will help you determine, determine what those things are that are going to be most valuable to you. Um, one just little Final kind of caveat that that can be very helpful as you're as you're um, exploring the personality temperament theories and that kind of thing is that you want to keep in mind that a lot of times the people that we're listening to will likely coach us based on what's good for them, not necessarily what's good for us. One of the reasons why uh, a lot of times folks will go through a public speaking class or 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 maybe they'll they'll listen to a um, a, a, a person that's trying to give them good advice, you know, the, the person is, is well-meaning and trying to give us some, some advice that will be very helpful to us in front of a group, but it kind of backfires on us. One of the times, the reason why that happens a lot is because that person who's given us the advice, that person who's trying to coach us is of a different temperament than we are. So like, for instance, let's say that I go to a, a public speaking class and my public speaking coach is a real expressive kind of person, which happens a lot, by the way. I mean, a lot of times expressives, because they're so energetic and enthusiastic, they're very captivating in front of a crowd. And so as a result, because they love that, that attention, they will become trainers and teachers and motivational speakers and that kind of thing. So you'll tend to find that a lot. But if I'm an expressive, if I happen to be an expressive and I'm coaching somebody who's an analytical you know, what exactly do you think I'm going to coach on? I'm going to coach on things that make me successful. I'm going to think that I know that in my life, if I'm an expressive, the things that, made, that has made me successful as a speaker is my energy and my enthusiasm and making things fun, right? So if I'm coaching analytical who's, you know, really dry and boring, I'm going to say, oh, my gosh, you got to get out of your shell. you got to get up and move around and, and get some energy and that kind of thing, which are going to be things that are really, really uncomfortable for an analytical to do. So he or she may do them while the coach is there, but as soon as the coach is gone, that analytical is going to go back to what he or she knows, and they're going to go back to that same delivery style. So it's basically that, that kind of coaching isn't really going to help the, the person. And, that, and that's the same no matter what temperament the person is and if the person is trying to coach somebody of a different temperament. That's one of the reasons why you know, our, our um, two-day public speaking classes work so well is that the things that we're teaching, the things that we're coaching that makes us different from most other public speaking training programs that are out there are things that are going to help you no matter which one of these four temperaments you are. We're going to help you maximize your particular strength. 
and minimize your particular weakness versus trying to make you a carbon copy of who the instructor is. So hopefully that makes sense to you. So just a little kind of word of warning there. Now we do have two-day public speaking classes coming up all over the United States and Canada all the time. So uh, depending on when you are listening to this podcast or watching the, watching the video, um, we'll kind of determine you know what, what classes are com- coming up at any given time. But you can always go to fearlesspresentations.com and it, just on any of the pages, there'll there'll be a list in the in the margin on the right hand side that will give you a list of the the most recent upcoming classes or things that are coming up in in the, the near future. So typically, it's like that. I think it's the the next eight classes that we have coming up. And if none of those eight classes are anywhere close to you, you can always just hit the. There's a link at the top of the web page that will that will have a list of the seminars that you can click. And you can we've got these things scheduled out for for year for over a year. So you you to hopefully you'll be able to find something that's that's really close to you. So um, I encourage you to kind of take a, a public speaking class, take our public speaking classes, and if nothing else, go back to fearlesspresentations.com and really search for for additional tips, things that can kind of continue to help you grow. Look at our our free articles, our free videos, our our webinars, all that kind of stuff that's on fearlesspresentations.com. And also, please make sure to go to iTunes and give us a positive review if if you really enjoy the content, because that is so helpful in making, making it to where other people can can uh, find us in the in the iTunes store. So make sure and do that. So thank you for uh, for being a part of the Fearless Presentations podcast one more time, and we'll see you next week. Subscribe to this podcast for new public speaking secrets each week.